0: Okay, we are live defending our worldview. Looks like I see my friend Brock online. Nice Joshua, just so want to point out that I am as on time as I can possibly be. There you go. Good for you. We are live already. All right. And I think, if I see that correctly, Brock is online with us. I'm going to grab a handout there on the other side of that PC.
1: I'm assuming it's not a PC handout.
0: No! <laughs> we can only hope. <laughs> Nicely done. All right. So, uh, I think I mentioned to you at the gym that I used my time at the beach in order to read Dennis Prager's right. National Bible. Exodus is what I'm up to now Genesis is what I did before and uh, he is very gifted, he's coming from a multilateral perspective he's taught in yeshivas he's taught in Christian circles and in secular circles for 30-40 years so uh, his his intro makes makes you very welcome, regardless of what perspective you're coming from, including atheist. Hmm. So all right. I have sixteen points that were unknown or unattainable
1: prior to us receiving the okay. Torah. So were you saying that we didn't learn morality from the Code of Hammurabi? I'm saying that it wasn't universally. <laughs> Bonjour. Yeah, we're live. Good to see you. I haven't really gotten started yet.
0: OK. like the shirt. Nice, yeah, I don't nice.
2: Think The, uh, I think, a small Mustang
0: pulled up. The small Mustang, yes. I'm trying to wear any shirts that in which I can I can fit my biceps now without any pressure. Yeah, yes, which is nice. Yeah, yeah that's good. it's good. Uh, it's limiting my my wearing ability, but that's okay. Yeah.
3: All
0: right. So grab a hand out there. We are looking at the uh, sixteen points that are unique and uh, unknown or unattainable without us getting the tarot. And uh, Dennis Prager is, uh has got a, a unique perspective. I agree with these, but my hope is that we can talk about each one just a little bit. Because I think in the end, this is going to define our worldview. Where, where are we coming from when we define our perspective? And um, so these are unique. Hello.
3: Hello.
0: Good evening. Hello. Gentlemen, Good gentlemen. Evening. Good evening. Excuse me if you're not getting up, grab a handout. Thank you, Thank you very you. much, I appreciate it.
2: Good evening. Good, Good evening. evening. Good evening. All right, so
0: these uh, 16 points should define our worldview. So we'll go through here and see if we can then summarize what our worldview is. Uh, the first thing that uh, Prager points out is that, and this was uh, shocking to me, that the Bible teaches that the the God of the Bible is universal, and not just the God of the Jews. and i would I would argue that most people would believe just the opposite. i I believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. you know i I believe in the God of the Jews, and he points out, Throughout the Torah this is not just the God of the Jews it's the God who chose to use the Jews to make himself known to the world Sure, mm-hmm. and we see this of course uh, that uh, the master got all upset because the temple was being used as a, uh, a marketplace when it was supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations. Mm-hmm. All nations.
1: Exactly right. So well you yeah. have the, the blessing to Abraham by blessing the whole the whole earth. Exactly. Through him, God. everyone would get blessed. And of course the, the default being that God created every kind in general. In general. And so it's not until chapter twelve of Genesis that we even have that, that narrow narrowing of scope of God's experience with humankind. Prior to that, it was just generic with humankind. Exactly right. And the revelation
0: was, of course, intended to reveal himself, ultimately through the sight. Yes. Good. So our concept here, if you're late in joining us, is we're walking through these so that we can define our worldview. So if we're going to defend our worldview in the public square, I'm just thinking it would be a good idea if we knew what our worldview was. Uh, the second, that uh, God is invisible, incorporeal.
2: Could I ask a clarifying
0: question sure what do you mean when you say world view Um, how how I place myself in the world and how I perceive and then judge and react to issues within the world so if I if I perceive myself as simply a traveler in time that I started as dust, I was a mistake of creation or of, of evolution, and uh, I'm just really pond scum that has uh, a bit of facial hair, and that eventually I return to pond scum, then there's very little that's required of me. And my reaction to certain things should never get me upset because. I'm really just pawns scum the mouth. Now, some people here may be just pawns scum with a mouth, but I'm not. And my worldview would be that I'm special, I'm unique. And as we'll see as we go through this, I'm, I'm held accountable. And further, there is a judgment for my actions here on the planet. That's what I mean by worldview. We good? Yeah, okay, here we go. Good, all right. So if you come from the Christian perspective, you may disagree with number two.
1: To clarify, though, I think we have to put this in the context that the Torah is given in and not necessarily in the context of our current theological position, whatever it may be. Absolutely. So if you think about the Torah context, an invisible, incorporeal God is contrasted with idolatrous images exactly. we're talking about horse gods and exactly. people gods and octopus gods and cat gods and gods of you know that look the like sun. demons and all sorts of different gods of bronze and wood yes yeah. not just not, not just stuff. material but that they're, they were based on moon. an image they, they said that God they, their God had an image they offered offerings to God to actually eat not just simply as a sacrifice yes. into the air, yeah. but actually as though that God might go hungry without the offerings, exactly. so, or might be satiated physically by it. So if you think about it in those terms, an incorporeal God, I think all Christianity would agree, God doesn't really have a body. Now God expressed himself through Messiah and through Messiah's body, it and he most certainly will do so again.
0: Amen. It is difficult to argue with an incorporeal body, or an incorporeal God, from the Scriptures especially from the top, when it says specifically exactly.
1: Well, And I think, as we said, I think more than once in this room, the only place in the Bible where it explicitly says God is invisible is Paul, who actually saw Messiah. Yeah. So, shocking. I think that he understood that you can be both. Exactly. He can be invisible. He can be not physical in a very real sense. At the same time, still... Choose to manifest himself in a body on earth, a real body, not a spirit, not a a hallucination or a a hologram, but actually a human body because he's God, he can do whatever he wants. And we might
0: see, uh, we'll find ourselves arguing the same thing with regard to angels.
1: Possibly, although I would say that Yeshua's physicality seems to be. I have nothing to do with
0: Yeshua there. I didn't mention Yeshua at all, you are. I'm talking about angels. Where people can entertain angels unawares. How is that possible if the description of angels that we have is incomparably compared to humans? Therefore, we've got something that's going on with, with regard to a change and whatnot. Come sir. I heard a little rumble in the back of the throat. Oh, no. No comment. No, no, no comment.
3: No. Yeah. You're looking pretty good
0: there. Yes, indeed. Number three. Good comments. Uh, number three. A moral, not a capricious God. Just- you're in college now, no?
4: No. Not te- technically. no. But don't taking give, college don't classes.
0: Don't give me technicalities. Do you go to a college campus? Yes. Therefore, you are in college. Okay. So what's a capricious God? Do you have capricious parents?
4: Are we going to stop about no. God's okay, but the parents... <laughs> well, now we're going to talk about it. I don't know that we need capricious
0: Aha! Okay. Anybody else?
3: You don't like it? Never heard
0: the word. No, really?
3: All
2: right? Anybody else? I think just based on the context. Yes, yes, I, yes. I feel like I remember this from the fifth grade, you know, it was one of those vocab words. Yeah. It's, the, it's probably the opposite of moral, which is more concrete. So capricious being more flighty or less defined, wishy washy, unstable oh, you know. perhaps.
0: Okay. Yeah. It, you can never predict exactly. which which way the person or the authority is going to come out on any particular
2: topic. It and it's be, back in the back in the '60s, it this, is this word always was always in the context of authority. The word uh, no, it no, never, no. It's Well, it's more so like, so like wants. Would be it's more like desires
0: and wants. This this uh, synonym to this word back in the '60s was fickle. Oh, Women right. were fickle. Right. You just never knew. I but I thought you wanted a new dress. What am I going to do with a new dress without a new
1: hat? <laughs> this your dress your is just going to make me look fat. Yeah, right. You know, do I look fat in this dress?
2: Is there a good answer to this?
1: <laughs> but Capricious, <laughs> know. in this context, is extremely important. Absolutely. Because if you've ever, in possibly a college course, um, spent any time reading like Greek mythology, the deities uh, du jour of the time, that's another cool word, um, are all capricious. I mean, completely impossible to predict. And, and to the point where, like, if you predict. had a friend like this, you wouldn't like them very right. much. <laughs> it's, it's a desire or a
0: want that's expressed. And then, if you try and, exp- and fulfill the want or desire,
1: it's changed. And or it might not have changed. It depends on the mood they're in. Exactly. I mean, Moody is another term we might could use in some ways. So it's like, it's, it's someone who is... I like the impossible to predict, which you've been talking about a deity, there's two things, and this is what's so important. Number one, it makes that, um, it, it increases, it creates quite a sense of fear, and definitely allows for you know a priest or another character to sort of act as like the ultimate authority, so to speak, because, well, I'm the only one who knows what God wants. But it also, and perhaps more importantly, I think is the reason for this, is it gives license to everything you could possibly want to do. Because if the gods have no compass, no moral code, no, no definitive right or wrong for themselves, how can they possibly impose one on you? Exactly. You can literally do exactly. anything you want today or tomorrow, and it won't really matter. Exactly right. Or it will. So, so, and, and, you you, and you won't know. And you won't know, and you'll suffer the consequences because,
0: because of it. Right. Which, right. Is, Amazingly which is right.
1: So so who cares? How would, you, down to. Right.
0: how would you describe your god? How, how, does, how does he differ there? Give me some quotes from the scripture. Unchanging. There it is. Mm-hmm. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He cannot lie. There is no shadow of turning. Just. He's consistent. He's just. He's moral and so forth. Right? Mm-hmm. So this was an absolutely new concept when the Torah was given. No one knew of a God like this.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. And because of that you have the capacity then for that God to be the foundation of a moral code that you must adhere to. I would
0: I I certainly agree. I would go beyond that and say it allows for a relationship. Right. That's exactly right. Because as you were saying you know if 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 the God, if the individual if the woman is capricious fickle you really can't have a relationship because you just can't understand where they're coming from. You can't know them. Because it changing. changes. Right. Here, we've got a consistency that provides for that Exactly right Absolutely, and, and ultimately, across generations. Absolutely. Yeah, multi generational are, are, we, are, we are we okay here? Are we working? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, number four. The first God in history beyond nature, not a nature God. What's a nature God? Michael, give me what a nature God is. I know that's why you didn't raise your hand. have we'll to try it anyway. It's like the Egyptian gods. They have a god. Exactly. Good. Yeah. God of the Nile. He's the water god. You know.
3: Oh, oh, oh. He's not happy with you. What do you get? No water. Yeah. I was just going to say, this isn't really, this is kind of like, it's just a question that has an answer. I mean, he was the first god already.
0: No, no question about that. But we only know that because he revealed himself. So here we're, we're trying to compare what's happened two minutes after the Torah was given. Right? What, what's changed? And these 16 things are unprecedented prior to that, is, is, is where um, Dennis Prager is coming from. So we've got, this is the first God that's not associated with wheat, wind, fire, snow. He's the snow God. You know, he's beyond nature because he created nature. He's not part of nature, and you don't need to worry about wind, heat. The sun god—you don't, don't need to be worried about being burned. This god's above and beyond the world.
1: And the Exodus story is the ultimate expression of that. We exactly. were talking with an associate of uh, Rabbi Riskin, um, David Enkriemen, and he was talking about this idea that the, the Exodus, the story of the Exodus about taking them out, is the first time we see in human history that God changes nature on behalf of a nation. We have small miracles that occur, even big miracles that occur with, like, Abraham, for example. But that's, I mean, if you didn't know Abraham personally, you wouldn't even know that it happened. But in this case, we're talking about for an entire nation, God is turning water into blood, and the sun goes dark, and bugs come and bugs go, and animals die for no apparent reason. It's it's miraculous.
0: It's almost like he's toying with them just to make the point.
1: Oh.
0: Yeah. I, I think. The one I like is when he holds his son still for Joshua, as their battle. You know, now he's not toying with him. He's not. He's not trying to make a point. He is, as you said, now really for the very first time, heeding the request of a man, which they say it, it says is the only time that's happened And nature is subservient, right. which is so cool. And again. As you said, on behalf of the nation, it wasn't just Joshua; it was on behalf of the nation. Cool. Yeah. It also lends itself to being a single God, right. right? Exactly. Not having to have multiples. Right. For whatever the we don't have thing. the total, total full, full of number six is going to help us here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or yeah. which one is this? Which yeah. one do we have to please this time? Right. Or appease. Yeah. Right. Which
1: goes back to your earlier comment about relationship, because if you have a god for each individual thing, your relation, your relationship to those deities essentially turns into um, something of a, a vending machine or a you know Santa Claus type character. Where basically, I do or worse, trying to appease a capricious god. Oh yeah, you know, even worse. Well, but even if it's not, even if let's say you have a benevolent god, okay. god of love or whatever, yeah. then you end up saying, well, okay, if I want this, I need to do this. It's not a relationship. That's a math uh, that's, that's a Put math the hand, pull the hand. Right. In. Whereas with the God that we're talking about is one who does promise reward and punishment, but that's not the point. The point is to get to know God. Well, we're getting down to that one here in a second. I think it's, well, come
4: oh, well, oh, on.
1: Number five
0: a God who loves and wants to be loved. He's looking for that relationship. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think the Torah is very clear about that. And, if, and even the Master
1: has a representation.
0: You love me you keep like my commitments.
1: And and while I think you can you have expressions in like Greek mythology of sort of a disturbing romantic relationship between the, one of the deity characters and and man, it's always it's, it's almost always in sort of like a one to one it's a it's a very it's a perverted type thing, but nonetheless the point I'm saying is this is different because God actually loves all of humankind. and um, I would
0: question if the one you describe is love.
1: Well, yeah, but I'm yeah. i absolutely agree with you but um but it's i think in this case you're talking about that that parental style of love with and and actually wanting to be loved in return in a in in a child parent type relationship yeah yeah definitely very very different no do me a favor um first
0: cabinet right here as you walk into Second drawer down, right in the front. bunch of pencils, pens, and stuff like that. Grab a handful so you can give them out here. Um, when Micah gets back, make a note on the, in your notes here, um, based on uh, Joshua's excellent and first notable comment. First <laughs> notable in that we should write it down. <laughs> Take a note. He mentioned a patriarchal. It's not written down here, but that's absolutely one of the things I wanted to draw out here, and you just
1: did So, I uh... can only find the sharp ones. No, if you bring back a dull but, uh, pencil, that's just. I'd be
2: curious what the good rabbi, what some of his references were for, wants to be loved. Because on the surface, I'd say it's far more obvious that there's a desire to be served. Based on at least the five books of Moshe, right? Like the the Torah itself, and I think the rest of scripture bears out additional layers of love. But like, I'd I'd be kind of curious. Maybe I mean I guess the first would probably be the Garden. Mm -hmm, Sure. Uh, Where are you? But there's I guess it should it it's it feels a little like a leap to say. Wants to be loved, since that's not like a direct quote or like a direct command. Okay. Um, so let me uh, let me argue back. I mean, I mean, do you think? Obviously, the big one being, "You shall love the Lord your God." I, I mean, I, I get that. Oh you're buying that one, but that's no, that, not an example. There's a so there's a difference between the command and the desire. Why would he command something he did not desire? I, I mean, mean is that different, it's different. Uh, different
1: way of expressing something, right? I think I think though I think the relationship is still there because we've just read this week's Torah Abortion where God compares himself through Moses uh, to being a father to a son to the people of Israel. Um, in fact he compares himself to that himself when he's talking about uh, in Egypt. They're my firstborn.
0: i carried you on eagle's wings.
1: So I think that I I've think drawn the relationship you here is there. for
0: myself. So you don't, you don't think there's a, a loving God there looking for love? See that
2: looking for, that, I don't know, there's, just, something, there's something why you, about why the way you, that we're saying that, that why sounds he, maybe too uh, needy? Yeah, or, or, or that reduces his sovereignty somehow. Really?
0: So when the master said if you love me you'll keep my
2: commandments, he was... Reducing no. himself? No, not necessarily. So I, I was asking what some of the... No, I'm what you're asking. I'm asking you, do them. you disagree with it? No, certainly not. I see. So
0: so you're under the impression that since you questioned the rabbi or you questioned Dr. Prager or Mr. Prager, whoever he is, um, I just want to make sure I'm clear on your perspective that if you agree with it, then it must have been later in the Bible, but you think that it was made up out of whole cloth later on and it wasn't expressed or you're just curious about what he was uh, i got it okay just making sure. what he is
2: using <laughs> to determine the sentence like okay
0: all right well i will get that i unfortunately lent my uh my genesis copy to another so that uh, they could uh, appreciate it as well but i will get that for you all right so we all wrote down patriarchal sometime something something like that. number six what? Well, you didn't because you were getting pens. Thank you for that, by the way. You're Gives every individual unprecedented self-worth. How does he do that, Josiah? How, how is it that you have unbelievable self-worth
4: now? Because I was created by God and I have a purpose.
0: Give me one more thing that really is at home. That was a good bunt. I'm looking for more of a home run or at least a double. Just trying to help here with some baseball metaphors, as limited as that may be. Think about pond scum.
3: Mm. Which makes you
0: unique? So, while you were in the womb, he formed you, he knew you and you were created in the image of a cow?
4: No. A monkey? No. Made in the image of God?
0: Uncomparable self-worth, especially if there's only one God. Make sense? Yes. Okay. This is incomparable. This is not known or addressed or reflected in anything prior to the giving of the Torah.
1: In fact, you could say that in our modern post-pantheistic world, um, this is still perhaps one of the biggest differences between what we believe and at least the the non-believing world that it because you hear it over and, over and over again you're just an animal, you're yeah. part of the animal yeah. kingdom right. we're we're one with nature, yeah. whatever it might be the, yeah. but the, but the end result is you're not special exactly so the irony is this is somehow used in some sort of weird. Moral arguments of saying because you're not special, therefore you can't act special. But um, but at the base, the core of it, I think, it's exactly what you're getting to: is that your value is inherently limited and, and even even perhaps diminished uh, if you're talking about just being another. You know, you just have to be a monkey without a Exactly, and your thumb seems to work quite out, you know. Um, but I,
0: I think back to, to Gregory's question. You know, what, what do you mean by worldview? Well, my worldview on this specific point puts me in a completely different category than anybody I may be talking to who doesn't believe that the Bible is true or that it was given by God and so on. This, this makes it a unique perspective that I'm special. You are special simply because you're a human being. Not because you're Italian. I know you're not. It's okay. You're still special. Maybe not as special as me, but you're special. No, and I'm only kidding. So, again, that's that's a unique perspective. No one outside of a biblical
2: worldview would believe that. I would say so far, this is by far the hardest one to actually maintain as a worldview. I would say more often than not, we all derive our self-worth from oh what you just did. something else something else I'm Italian I'm Italian yeah I'm a Messianic I, I work for such and such a company I'm a part of such and such a family I, yeah. my heritage yeah. this my like community that I live in a Adri- neighborhood all, all of which are true hard they're all, all are true, true but I'm saying if we're to truly derive our worth our work, self-worth self so if if our self-worth is is given to a god-given thing, yeah. that, that is that's a hard one to maintain consistently throughout, even just, just a given day to be like, the yeah. reason I'm doing all of these things is because I have an individual set apart unique, perfectly different relationship with the creator of the universe, it's, it's big it's, it's, and, and uh, hard i am grant you
0: it's big, however I would argue that it doesn't need to be our soul reason for doing something purpose for doing something and so on but when it comes down to life and death when it comes down to seeing a puppy that's dressed in the same clothing that Micah is wearing when people address their dogs as their children this is fundamentally abhorrent to our worldview so I'll grant you You know, we can talk about being Italian, which, by the way, is special. By the way, so is being Korean, Korean Korean-American, Italian-American, Scottish, all that stuff. These are all cool things. And put us in individual and wonderful categories. But ultimately, it makes us just like every other human. And And that's not the issue. The issue is, we're different than animals. We're different from parrots, which are pretty cool because they can talk.
1: Which Rabbi Foreman identifies in his speech that crouches the door book as being the essential, essentially the nature of the first temptation to man. That the, the, Even the garden is really being presented with the choice. Are you an animal, or are you created in the image of God? And I think that our, the, the the impact of this cannot be understated, especially in this country. Our founding fathers identified all of the rights that have been granted to us by God, granted by, by God. God. That's right. As being from God, because we are created in the image of God. Yes. And that because exactly. of that, no man had the right to say to another man, "I own you. I have something. I can okay. I can de- determine what belongs to you." because you're only responsible to god that's right and i can't kill you because you're made in the image of god and
0: i can't treat you like a zebra even though they're kind of special strike horses
1: because you're more than a zebra right It's also fights against the modern philosophy of nihilism which basically says each drink because tomorrow we die if you don't matter, if you're not special, then whatever you do doesn't matter. That's right. But if you do matter, and if, you're, if, you're, if your potential is as uncapped as being made in the image of God, then you have a very high responsibility for that.
0: I, I
2: thought it was yeah. the that's, that's why there's always a correlation between the rise of atheism and the rise of depression.
0: nice. Mm. So, thank mm-hmm. Alright. good there? Number seven. Introduced universal human rights to your point, outstanding there's the constitution but they're universal so if we were going to say well the black man doesn't get as many rights as I do this is ridiculous and we'll see down in number 14 that the Torah is necessary for human brotherhood that we understand that regardless of where we come from ultimately we all go back to well, that species is a little weird to me. What species are you talking about? The human species? That race. Race? Now, now you've diminished race. What, are you and I of different races? Because you have an Asian background and I have an Italian background or a European background? No, we're of the same race. It's the human race. That's, that is a strictly biblical Torah view. You're not going to get that anywhere else. Okay. Number eight, began the journey to belief in human equality. Part and parcel of what we just, what we just said, right? I mean, how can I look down upon you and, and try to lift myself up or say that you should be in a certain position or don't get as
1: many right,
0: it's, it's ridiculous.
1: Well, and, and God, it, it, it's interesting to bring this up in some of the debates and discussions today about things like immigration. God is not saying that everyone ultimately has, that there's no, that there's no relevance to being in, in special groups, specifically in like his, his people, the nation of Israel. What's interesting about that though is while the nation of Israel does have like some special privileges and responsibilities tied to being them, God does have a very interesting approach to the fact that he's, he repeatedly tells them that they still have to treat people outside their community as special. He tells over and over again, don't mistreat the stranger. Don't mistreat the one who's not part of you. And, that is, uh, and to, to your point, that is, that is a contrast to like, what we're dealing with um, at that time, and even I think even today, is a struggle, it's a question. How do you deal with someone who's different than you? How do you approach them? It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to give them all your free stuff, But it does mean that you have—they have basic human rights that they are—that they have been given by God.
0: Most frequently repeated command in the Torah:
3: Love your neighbor as yourself.
0: Remember the stranger. Mm. More than the Sabbath, more than anything else, number one. Remember the stranger. Because we were strangers. 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 So, if we're going to talk about slavery, what's our worldview? It's important. It's important. Certainly to practice kidnapping people. (laughs) Right. The kind of slavery that people are talking about today and looking for reparations. Well, you know, my ancestors, six generations back, were snatched from their country, brought over here as slaves. What do you think about that? It's wrong. It's horrible. And it's against
1: our faith. It's against the Torah. Which is why it should be pointed out that, um, at least in the North, Christianity, I feel like, was pretty well tied to the abolition movement. In fact, in, in the UK, in, in Britain, in England, I should say, because it was in the UK at the time, um, uh, you know, William oh. Wilberforce, who's pushing for abolition, is a good friend of um, John. Author, Amazing Grace. The point that I'm trying to get at is that um, Christianity at, was was a was a big proponent of ending slavery. Absolutely, yeah.
0: And,
1: and, and what else could have been? So,
0: good. We good on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Number nine brought universal morality into the world as God judges every human. Unheard of. You got the corn god, and he's going to you know give you or not give you corn. The fact that there's a moral judgment uh, coming is prior to
2: the Torah. Unheard. Of. I wonder. I mean, it, we would definitely agree with this, but I would, I would be curious what? about I Dr. Believe- Prager's perspective on universal morality. I mean just because like some sects of Judaism would really only be talking about Noahide laws there. It doesn't matter. There's still a morality. And it's yeah. universal. Yeah, is it to right for everybody. Is it ever yeah.
0: right to kill somebody?
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, I beg your pardon. To murder someone. Right. the answer is no. There is a universal morality. And it's inherent upon all people. Whether you believe and for those that do believe, it needs to be promoted
1: to those who don't believe. When you think about you Noah, know, uh, according to the second half of this one, God judges every human being. God judges literally the entire world based on the way that they treated one another. Right.
0: <clears throat> it's amazing the fish got through. Number ten, it means that good and evil are not individual or societal opinions, but objectively real, making human moral Progress
1: possible. And I, that one took me by surprise. You mean it's not my truth versus your truth?
0: Exactly. So now we've got uh, uh, an independent list of right and wrong. Our worldview includes an objective morality. Mm-hmm. So well, you say it's true. I don't believe it's true. It's just like the bumper sticker says. God said it. I believe it. That's it. That settles it. That settles it. Well, that's not true. That's not our worldview. God said it. That settles it. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. That's what an independent or objective moral standard is all about. Good there? So I mean, that applies to the same way as God said it,
4: it's not, I interpret it this way. Exactly. Exactly. Right. It, it, does, it,
0: it doesn't really matter how you interpret it, it doesn't really matter whether you believe it or not. In fact, it's really good if you don't believe it
1: because it's still going to come to pass. It's still the truth. The point being that, then the, even to the point of saying, like it doesn't necessarily matter if you've heard it or not. I mean, to some degree. Like, there is a moral code that's out there that exists, and just, and this is important, again, going back to our country, how many principles of democracy and human rights and all these things depend on there being a universal moral code. Because it is simply societal. Well, the the Brits had a really good argument. They had literally thousands of years of kings telling her what to do. How do you argue with that? In fact, according to their tradition, there, you know, God Himself had said that King George had the authority to tell everyone what else to do. Well, prior to that, in Rome, King was God. He was God, god. Yeah. or a god. So, yeah, he was a yeah, exactly. And this today is absolutely critical because anyone who argues an art from perspective of moral relativism um, immediately loses every moral argument you can possibly create, because how can you say that the Monster that murdered innocent people in El Paso, Texas, was wrong if he really believed he was right. Unless there is an objective moral code. Uh, yeah, and, and I think you can, you can really just smush that
0: even before you get that far. <laughs> you think it's true, I think it's false. Therefore, we can never agree unless someone outside the two of us brings the truth. So you can't really have any kind of substantive discussion about right and wrong right. unless it's outside the people that are having the discussion. right? Which, if you think about it, is why we have judges. Right. You say it was $10, I say it was $20, we're going to court, why would we go to court? If morality is completely subjective, if there is no outside set of rules, why would we go to a judge? Let's just beat the hell out of each other. And whoever's not a a bloody piece of pus on the floor wins. (laughs) And we get to that one in number 16. In the meantime, number 11, it gives humanity hope. Now, why is there hope? Why is there hope? There's a God we're talking about that's in our worldview, Micah, why would that bring us hope?
2: <laughs> well, we wouldn't.
3: I would say that will bring us hope for hope that there will be a day when He will save us. No, not save us. But
0: okay, so we've got a future. Yeah. All right, I don't think we're going to do that.
1: Well, I mean, we think about it, we covered earlier, right? So you got a bunch of think number, gods. Number
0: fifteen, we're getting to, but yeah, uh, to Joshua's point there, you don't have to. You, you can have hope that there is not only a God there who's loving and loves you and wants to be loved, but you have hope that you can actually have that relationship. Good. What else? Otherwise he just decides
1: one day he's just done with everything and... Yeah.
0: What's that smudge on the carpet? It's my guy. Mr. Smudge. We should get him a teacher. I'm the smudge. <laughs> and then today,
1: today's worldview is even more hopeless. I mean today's worldview is you're gonna be born, at some point you're going to die. And what happens in between? We're it's parents. up to you. After you die, no one will probably remember you. If they do remember you, eventually the sun's going to get so big, it's going to go black, and everyone's going to freeze to death, and the planet's going to explode, and you know, so on and so forth. So essentially, at the end of the day... He's describing hopeless. Right. At the end of the day, <laughs> the atheist worldview is of completely bleak despair. There is and, no promise of anything in the future. And I think that these next last
0: couple go right into... Uh, One another. I got you. Then I got you back again. Now the two of you coming back. Something to strive for. Yeah. Something. If if there is a a moral, wonderful, loving God out there who wants to be loved, then I can love Him and I can strive to please Him as
3: I would my own father. Kind Mm -hmm. of thing. That's good. Nice job. I would say that to his point. There is an atheist view is kind of displayed in movies about the future. A lot of them, there's no hope at all. It's just a bleak world where the only good stuff is in the past. Or or in the present. Live for the moment because this is all we got.
0: Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow. Tomorrow We die.
2: die. Yeah. I just realized why that phrase bothers me. It's because it implies that God might not get what he wants. Is there ever a time that God wouldn't get what he wants? No. Therefore, it's not a want.
0: Well at some point in this course before we hit Rosh Hashanah I I do Go ahead. I do hope that we, we touch on on the point of free will. Do you really have free will? Yes or no? Yes. If you really have free will and God wants you to do A, can you do B? Yes or no? That's a really interesting question. I, that's my point, and that's, I, I want to have that conversation, because I think it's going to come up you, in, the, he, in the whole world. And too.
2: because you used the phrase again. He really wants, wants you, you to. to. Right. Because that he's way. a loving
0: God, right? So he doesn't want to impose his will, because he gave you free will. We all agree, we all have free will. So in what way does that impact God as a father? There are things that I want you to do. And praise God, and a publican would say, as many times and as often as you can, you do what you know would please me. And I I love you for it. The question becomes, suppose you don't. Does it diminish my love for you? Probably and hopefully not. You have free will. I'm not God. How does it work when the when the father figure is God? This is these are great questions yes. Well, then that the whole oh, discussion. he's of, got all the
4: answers. Go. And then it will discussion
3: of predestination because logically you could have freedom of choice, yes. and the will to choose, yes, and no matter what choice you took, it would still lead to God's ultimate plan.
0: Right. Which means, do you really have free will? That's why he doesn't need
2: So, so, so we need to, we need to talk about <laughs> that, right? right. I, that'd that'd so it's a logic circle. I, that's why well, it could be,
0: it could be. And then Prager spends a lot of time talking about the sovereignty of God. is mm-hmm. sovereign, no question about it. But where does how does free will work into the equation? I like his perspective. I'll share it in the next several weeks. Yes.
3: Sir. Well I would say that simply because God knows what is gonna happen I mean that he would so, take away your free will. I see. So he would, he's omniscient
0: and therefore since he knows what you're gonna do, that becomes his will.
3: That's I not, wouldn't say that would become his will. No, he can't. He will just there he has I would say he hasn't opened the goal and if you make a choice that he does not did not want you to make, then he will just find another way to do. It. What he wants to do. So you, j-
0: you just won't s- be a part of it anymore. So God can. Oh, so your free will
3: is overridden because you won't be a part of it anymore. So is that no, really extreme? You made, you made the choice to not do what he wanted to do, so now. Now he'll make you do what he wanted you to do. No, now he'll just go around you. So you lose the free will and he makes his omnipotent. Don't help. Is there any way to win this conversation? No, <laughs> that's the point. Yeah. That's
0: the point. There's no way to win it. And, no, that's good. Because I want to have oh, that, man, conversation. that <laughs> conversation. But I think it's better to have that conversation and that argument and so forth here first. I would argue, stand by. I don't want the hand to go, no. I would argue that the best place for you to argue your faith is with men of faith. Hmm. That would not damage your faith. In increasing their faith. Mm-hmm. To have this kind of an argument with people that want to damage your faith
4: mm-hmm.
0: can bring a lack of faith because you find yourself in a quandary and that's what happens to most people, most young people who go away to college. And you begin to doubt. Right. To it's doubt. the first time yeah. that their faith has been questioned and darn those those arguments sound really really good and the recidivism rate, I said that. Right, mm-hmm. Is extraordinarily high in the Protestant faith. That's
1: another, you know, college word.
0: Yeah, it's you know, tossing, giving, giving away your faith. And falling. Falling away. Yeah, falling away, which apostasy, apostolos, and so forth. We see uh, a lot in the the book of the Apocalypse or the Revelation of the Master.
4: Yes, sir. So. Joshua and Michael were talking about God already having his plan set out. Yes. And one yeah. is predestined. The other one has some um,
0: chocolate yeah. desire that's going to happen regardless if you choose vanilla. And it's the ice cream God.
4: <laughs> I was thinking of, you do have a choice, but it's good to know. as Joshua already said, and Mike already said God has a plan and he knows how it's going to go. so Does he?
0: Now, is that because he's omnipotent, all powerful, or omniscient, all knowing? Does he know what's going to happen? And therefore, he's driving the way? You said those as opposed to each other. They are different. They're different. I didn't okay, say they mutually they're mutually exclusive. I didn't say they're mutually oh, exclusive. Okay. I'm just trying to write him down a real car that bumps into the rock. Yes, sir.
3: What's the word for on, all seeing? All seeing. Omniscient. Omniscient. Omniscient would be all knowing. All knowing means you can all seeing as well. How can you know something if you don't see
0: it? All seeing is not a theological term, but, right? <laughs> but it does have the connotation it, it, they,
3: of being all-knowing because
0: one would assume <laughs> you would know it because you've seen it, but an anthropomorphism of giving God sight is, you know, really. really. Okay. <laughs> the <It's also a laughs> question I think that. you're but trying to get
1: at to is, is God <laughs> driving the car, directing it where it goes, or is he the GPS saying, I think this is the direction we're going to end up with at the end? You know, It's like, is, is he a fortune teller or is he actually in charge? Omniscient versus omnipotent. If they were versus. No, they don't have to
0: be. And if they were not versus, but mutually exclusive. Yeah. I'm sorry, did we cut you
4: off? Just a <laughs> so, omnipotent is all All-powerful, all-powerful. potent <laughs> So, it's kind of like you're... A character in the movie that God has already seen. He knows what you're going to do. You don't know what you're going to do, but he knows what you're going to do. And here he knows how the movie ends. And he's also the director. So whether you do A or you do B, that eventually will lead to the ending C. That's very
0: cool. And I think your A, B, and C Spell Micah backwards, because that's what he was saying. Mm-hmm. And I, I hear you. I just question whether or not you're right. Mm-hmm. But that's a different class, and it'll we'll be at the end of our. I'm sorry, I can't take more questions right now. So we're moving on. <laughs> did I? Did I get? Show, show of hands, number twelve. God gives human beings free
2: will. Is that? Is that? Is everybody? Yes. 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 yes, 100%. Okay. That, why do we think that? Because it's
0: biblical. Okay, so I just wanted to get it on the uh, recording for that next class. Yes. Number 13, he introduces holiness, which elevates human beings from animal life to being created in God's image. I think this is so important. I don't know if you saw in the Jerusalem G T A.
1: The telegraphic agency?
0: Yeah. In that uh, publication, uh, they uh, brought out an article about uh, the rabbis in Israel, specifically one town, one of Tel Aviv, making it clear that dogs are important. You're cursed if you have a dog and you bring him into your home. This is completely anti-biblical. You should never do it. It's just absolutely worse than you could possibly do. Yeah, And they named rabbis. I mean, you know, they're all in, in concurrence. This is not what the Bible says. Animals, you know, there's there is a difference and they should never be treated like humans, blah, blah, blah. And Mr. Prager goes into great length there. His point is, as we see, happening of late where people are treating animals, specifically dogs, sometimes cats, but most of the time dogs, dressing them in human clothes, treating them like humans, taking them to the spa, getting them haircuts, and so on. And
4: pushing beds, them. pushing, pushing them. them in strollers. <laughs> Holy cow. And
0: uh, and then making comments. That, you know, uh, have you met my babies? Have you, you know, these are my children, and so on. Uh, uh, this is completely antithetical to our world view. Now, I'm not saying that the dog is not man's best friend. I'm not saying that dogs can be useful. Hunting dogs are are a great help. Um, the transportation pulling, in the snow. pulling sleds, you know, helping man. So seeing eye dogs, yes, helpers for sure. Sometimes you have seeing, seeing eye donkeys. Elon <laughs> had one of those. <laughs> Even talking <laughs> donkeys. <laughs> I mean, there's you know we can lift up the animals, but they are not human. And he points out that uh, it really is a problem in a society when babies, human babies seen with less worth
3: yeah.
0: than mm-hmm. this is exactly what I was going to say the society has it completely backwards mm-hmm. save the whales, kill the babies. Yeah, and, and I would right. argue that this is one of the times where evil is stated as good and good is stated as evil that we normally would not have tagged when looking at a future time with anti-messiahs and so forth. Yes, sir. Well, this is just a question.
3: Do I was just wondering do people like commit do people do abortions on like dogs who are pregnant? Or
0: I've never heard of a canine abortion. When, in fact I would think it would be lifted up that the Mr. Puppy just had puppies.
2: Yeah.
3: That I, I mean Mr. it's just like nobody ever killed like, commits abortion on a dog when they don't want puppies in their home. Yeah. But why would you do that if to yourself then. Yeah. Killing your own baby. One is less convenient. We'll move on now,
0: otherwise we will not finish. Mm-hmm. And it is really not the focus of this class. But obviously we now have got two or three different classes that we can uh, bring in at the end. Um, because certainly there is a tendency in society today to lift animals up to the level of humans, and at the same time, to lower, specifically babies or old people, to the level of animals. And
1: euthanasia is already happening. And, and even in that much more subtle way. I mean, one of the things that Rabbi former mentions in his book that um, that we see all the time is the whole "follow your heart" language. This idea that do what feels right. Right. Do do you know you you can trust good, how it. you feel. Um, is a very animalistic way of viewing the world. That's right. exactly how animals work. Animals see something, it looks good, they eat it. You know, that's that's how it works. We have a God, going to this point here about holiness, a God who says, youth if it looks good, smells good, but doesn't chew its cud, it's not for you. And yeah, there it is. Yeah, and it, it may be good, it's just not good to eat. Right, right. That's what sets you apart. Okay. Um,
0: the Torah is necessary, number fourteen, for human brotherhood. I think that's you know kind of been hashed out here. If we all have the same, ultimately the same parent, father, and so on, then uh, there is no reason for us to separate ourselves based on any physical character trait. The Nazis did that. Blonde, blue eyes. Don't have blonde, blue eyes. You're not part of the Aryan race. You're Obviously, inferior. Mm-hmm. And finally, 15 uh, teaches us that the physical realm is not the only reality because he is incorporeal, invisible, beyond, and so beyond nature. Which means that there is an ultimate meaning to existence and therefore to each of our lives. This is one of the most fundamental differences between our worldview and the worldview of. Uh, the non-believer uh, extraordinary and then finally uh, the Torah teaches that might is not right can you give me seven examples and references to go with no, I'll just take two examples, go ahead, give me one might is not right, it's because you're stronger than me, you're not right give me an example uh-huh.
3: just anyone
0: okay uh, Goliath David Goliath yeah. you got a guy who's got a whole lot of money did that make him right
1: uh-huh. okay what else even at a much more um, philosophical level God himself in the Torah says not to uh, pervert justice in favor of the wealthy versus Good. the poor cool
0: mm-hmm. yeah exactly and right they're the your smallest, your little weenies, and David. you're still
4: my people. Another David where he and Saul. You have to go a little David. further so we can help you Where he and Saul are in the cave. Right, so Saul's the David. mightier,
0: where? David is not. Jair's uh, oh, Yeah.
1: the edge of Israel. Yeah. But that principle also extends to the whole and the fight is not right thing and that God repeatedly tells you to help those who are weak to help, to go against the, the grain, even to help your enemy. That's right. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Good, good, good. You bread for the widow.
0: the
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. Amen. The widow and the orphan. Yeah, the yeah. In fact, God even goes so far as to say, if you don't take care of the weak, I will personally vouch so, on their behalf. That's right.
0: So I thought that... Uh, this uh, comment that uh, Mr. Prager makes in his uh, commentary um, by the way, the only other guy I know of that did one by one counter in the entire talk, other than Rashi and he did it for the entire talk which means it's current, and it's by it. mm. but he's uh, talking about how he's arguing with one of the ma- most famous atheists and uh, he summarized the differences between the two of them in front of the man. And the atheist agreed with the summary. When the atheist differs with the Torah, he thinks the Torah is wrong, and he's right. But when the believer differs with the Torah, he thinks the Torah is right and he is wrong. I like that. That's cool. I really I embrace that.
2: Which may be a really good question for this class because, since the recommendation based on these this list is that our worldview be shaped by Torah, this means our or world has already been, or been shaped. has already been yes. This means our worldview could potentially be updated through more study of the Torah. Through more study of the Torah. Absolutely,
0: and I think uh, to. To uh, Greg Upham's uh, frequent, uh, um, when you uh, tweak something, you a uh... lot No, no, no. I, I just can't remember. You know, my what... current view is. Yeah, that's the phrase. I'm trying to think of what you call it. It's a uh, a modifier of his position is always, uh, or pretty consistently, my current view. Because, as we as we learn, our our worldview may be um, honed or reshaped. I think we've got a, a comment here. Oh my goodness! Brock has written three paragraphs. Gee, wait. <laughs> oh. Uh, let's see. Let's see. These are good points. I think it's important to remember: if you're in a discussion with someone, the point isn't to convince them of your worldview, but to just present represent your own. There are a lot of proofs and arguments that can be made for what we believe, but humanity is capable of reasoning oneself into believing just about anything. I think that at some point a leap of faith has to happen. You can't bludgeon someone into seeing the world your way. They have to be receptive to it. He who has ears to hear, dot, dot, dot. I get it, Brock, but that's not the point of this class. The point of this class uh, was for us to first make sure we understood our worldview and then be ready, not just to give an account for the hope that life Venice and so on, but rather to argue from the Torah and defend our worldview. Our the other person's response and whether or not they agree is not our responsibility. The spirit of God can move in their hearts and they paddle their own canoe. But I think we are called to give an account and to be able to defend it, and that's what I'm hoping we'll be able to do here. So if we all understand the worldview then your homework for next week is the first of our defenses so we're going to take half of you half of you will learn to argue for and half of you will learn to argue against feminism and patriarchy our country currently is in the midst mm-hmm. of Of an unbelievable focus on women's rights and the fact that patriarchy is what is the problem with our country. Patriarchy is a fundamental of our faith, that we can actually pray in the merit of our forefathers. In a patriarchal view, is what is presented in the scripture. Women, second-class citizens biblically, you may believe that. Argue that they are not, if in fact they are not. If they are, argue that and get bludgeoned in the public square. No, <laughs> perhaps, perhaps you may find something different. So um, instead of actually picking and choosing and saying, well, you do the feminine side and you do the masculine side, I'm not going to do that, do both. Okay. So, look in the scriptures, and examine your worldview, and see if you can't next week be prepared to argue on the side. And we'll uh, we'll pick a couple of pairs, and then we'll flip around and pick different pairs, and we'll just go around. We'll have a little while. We'll have some fun with it, um, and then I'll hopefully be able to tie it together with some scriptural perspective um, that that may shape it, if you know, you guys are beating each other up, and maybe halfway through I'll give that perspective, and we'll try to re-do our arguments and see if they bear in the fruit. Okay, questions on that? Yes, sir. Not a question on that per se, but just go back. Go Any other questions on, on that and homework and what we're doing? Schmedley here is uh, going to be in class, so he won't be here. So um, invite several friends and see if we can wake up here. Um, I need somebody to get uh, Joe here. So somebody... Reach out to him. Teresa. I can't remember the last name. Valeri. Valeri. Is he Italian? How he's about Italian. that? Yeah. So why don't you try and get him here in your place next week. Okay. And then uh, somebody needs to smack Alex and Nehemiah for sure. Is Alex still in Germany? No. I trying. had Alex here for dinner uh, two weeks ago. Okay. Um, he's back. Pictures are done. You <laughs> must have said 6,000 pictures, he's great. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's back and uh, yeah, good to go. I just don't know that he knows. So, uh, and then Nehemiah's got a new job. He should be able to make it if he can get down here in time he gets off. I think he might have a later shift actually. Oh, isn't he on the 3 11 shift? He's on the evening shift, Yeah, I think it's the evening shift. It? But it's an evening shift
1: that Does doesn't work, work on Saturdays. Saturday? Yes. Yeah, okay, good. Your comment, your just to go back to what Rock was saying earlier, I think there's also another good reason for this discussion that we're having here um, and that's not just to try to convince other people but yeah. also to defend our own faith for ourselves Absolutely I think that especially if you're, if you're in an environment where you are the minority um, it's very important to not only understand your own beliefs but be able to argue for them, even quietly to yourself, to simply understand so that when you hear what's not true, yeah. you know why it's not true Amen. and why you think differently
0: and, and and that's a great point, Joshua. Because sometimes the wise, you know, the, the the man who is silent is considered wise. It's the fool who opens his mouth. Um, oftentimes, there's a lot more value uh, to what we say if we don't often say. And when asked, is what the scripture says. When asked to give an account for the hope that lies within us, we're ready with an argument. So. It's not that we need to jump in right away and say, that's a bunch of hooey, let me give you the straight truth.
2: It may not bear some good fruit. I was going to say, it's a little bit like karate, where the instructors will always tell you, like, this isn't meant to be used irresponsibly, right? Like, we're arming you with something that is only meant to defend yourself in a specific scenario. And so I, that is a really good point. Yes. There's a potential for a lot of issues to arise, uh, you say, in the public forum. Well, one of the public forums I spend most amount of my time is actually the same public forum that provides for my family. Uh, so you know, it's you just have to be smart with exactly. it. Uh, exactly. But then I, I also really appreciate people like Ralph Jonathan Sachs who engage in dialogue in a gracious enough way to where it's not a beating up, or it's not a a heated debate at all, but if, if, there, if someone has a point that he finds interesting, he's frequently quoting secular books, Absolutely. Greek mythological books True. and stuff, because he's genuinely curious, okay, I, let me understand your perspective, and then I take it back personally and see, does this line up with the Torah? Because mm-hmm. there's some things that we just don't move on because we know them, but... We don't know everything, so sure. more often than not, especially me, I'll hear someone say something and I'll just kind of say, that's really interesting. My gut is that I don't agree with that at all, but why don't I agree with right. that? 99. And I need to go back and study sure. that. Yeah. But that. Which is why I absolutely love this last part. He thinks the Torah is right and he is wrong. So it's like, I I know I'm missing something yeah. here. So let me go either talk to a man wiser than me, or let me and or study the scriptures for myself. Exactly.
0: Yeah, so I, um, our our goal here is not to, um, to make debaters. It's so that, to, to both of your points, you can know in your heart that there's a relationship there, and there is a future. This gives us hope. So, that's a great thing. Secondly, as far as the Second Amendment goes and um, the right to keep and bear arms, I'm pretty passionate about that. Um, if someone makes a comment about firearms in a negative way in my presence, and they don't realize, for example, that I am carrying a firearm, um, I have I have learned that the the best way to perhaps give them a different perspective is to give them a different perspective. I don't particularly care whether they go out and start carrying a firearm or if they start um, believing that the Second Amendment is a wise thing. Or I, don't, I don't care about that at all. I just want to give them a different perspective from the one I just heard mm-hmm. with which I vehemently disagree. Mm-hmm. That's all. and. To me, that's that's bearing more than enough fruit. You know, I don't really care if you like guns or if you're scared of guns, hypophobic. Um, that's I don't care. But that you recognize that I have a legitimate constitutional right in this country to freely bear and keep firearms is all I'm concerned about at this point. Now if when you become aware of that and you actually embrace the fact that it's not going to harm you and it is my right and you want to ask more questions, which is normally the case cool <laughs> Let's talk about it And the same thing goes with abortion, driving under the influence, parenting you know we can name anything you want right if we have, learned a method whereby we can present a different perspective, it may engender a conversation. It may not. They may get on the bus and leave. But they may choose to miss that bus and stay in chat. Either way, I think, perhaps, we've used our free will in a way that would please him. And maybe advance his agenda, which, being omniscient, may be irrelevant. But on the other hand, it may end up working into his plan, which, I guess, must come to pass eventually. Close us in prayer. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Father, we're, uh, we're grateful for uh, the tour that you've given us to be our our, our anchor and our rock, the unchangeable. Uh, expression of yourself. And we pray, Father, that we would be able to uh, understand our worldview and be able to articulate it well, and not in an argumentative manner, but just as, as uh, Joseph was explaining in a manner that is just matter of fact, and then allow you to work on the hearts of others. Mm-hmm. these things in the name of Yeshua. Mashiach, I was in Savior. Amen. 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 Thank you, man. God bless you. Feminism, patriarchy next week. Just got to say.